ready to Brave the Wild. With me, your host, Paladino Joey. Brave the Wild is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. It's great to be back on board once again and finally today here on Brave the Wild. This is State of the Wild 2018. Once again, back for State of the Wild, the annual show, the Megasode, all that good stuff. Not sure how long this one's going to be. It'll be probably a little bit because of, uh, well, we have a new general manager. His name is Paul Fenton. It almost looked like it was going to be Tom Fitzgerald for the longest time because he made things awfully interesting with owner Craig Leopold. Apparently their personalities mesh well and, well, it would have been interesting. Uh, Either way, you get a former NHL player as your general manager again. The Wild have had a former NHL player as their general manager, their first general manager, and that didn't go very well. Doug Reisbrow, we talked about him extensively over the years. He couldn't draft, uh, I don't know, <laughs> he couldn't tell a draft pick from his children, I think. I mean, I don't know. At least anything after the first round, being Doug Reisbrow, Fletcher, an improvement, improvement, but still mediocre, you know, kind of like uh, kind of like going from Ghostbusters 1 on the uh, NES, how horrible that was, to Ghostbusters 2, which was a little better, but not much, that type of thing. On the Nintendo, remember how awful that game was? Some of you that are old enough to remember that back that far. Um, yeah, that was Doug Reisbrow. Uh, hopefully Paul Fenton is a vast improvement. Of course, connections with Mr. Craig Leopold, National Predators, all that. He was the assistant general manager for the longest time. I almost want to jump into him right now, but we'll keep that for segment number two. We'll get to the season wrap-up first. That way you just get through that. You know, you just get through that first, and then we can kind of talk about the future. We talk about the past, then we talk about the future, and then we talk about the present with the whole postseason situation and the Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. Mm, uh, Well, I'm glad they won. I'm happy for them and all that. But, man, Las Vegas, what an amazing run. But, of course, we will get to that in segment number three and all that. A little interaction as well with the whole, uh, you know, MVP, biggest disappointment, biggest surprise of the season and all that. But let's jump into the season review Pretty much right here and now. Other than, uh, real quick, I'll just say, again, the delay and all that. I probably would have had a show specifically for Paul Fenton before, but I was very busy with the lawn cleanups because of the very late snowfall. In fact, the last show I did, there was still snow on the ground. It was melting, but it was on the ground. And I was in Brooklyn Park. Now I'm in Golden Valley. So lots of stuff going on that delayed me uh, from returning behind the mic. So I am back in Golden Valley again. Of course, not in the same location. (laughs) So, (laughs) obviously, uh, yep. I'll just leave it at that. Back in Golden Valley again, so that's cool. Nothing's perfect about any place, but it's a, it's an upgrade from where things were. Better apartment, this and that, better location. Okay, get, get the idea. Just explaining the uh, hiatus there for a little while. The Minnesota Wild 2017-18 season in review for the most part. Well, things just did not start out that well. Of course, you get Kyle Quincy and all that. Uh, he <laughs> came in. To be, okay, yes, I can play right shot, and then he didn't want to play right shot, and this and that, and he was just kind of in the way, and oh, and he wasn't very good. He was he had some decent seasons with Detroit previously, and other teams along the way. Um, he also brought in a guy by the name of Mr. Daniel Winnick, of course. Yep, <laughs> I mean, a very nice addition. A lot of people didn't like him that much because he just used not this great score, but he certainly showed potential of it at times. Mostly brought in to be a gritty fourth-line uh, forward who can play some third, but mostly fourth-line. Very strong defensive player and just really good on the puck. Very strong and also showed some skill. And I am like Daniel Winnick. Uh, a major problem that's been brought up, of course, with the Minnesota Wild and that, uh, well, Michael Russo has talked about extensively on local shows here in town is that 
Well, just about everybody on the team was a left shot. Just about everybody, particularly the forwards. Now, right shot, left shot, all that with defensemen. That's kind of evened out a little bit over the course of time, thankfully. And you have prospects like Luis Belpedio and maybe Brendan Mendel coming up to the NHL rankings at some point. Luis Belpedio has a pretty good shot of making the NHL roster next year. Certainly not a guarantee. Uh, Nate Prosser is what he is. You got Seattle looming in the next couple of years. We'll see what happens at that. But, of course, we don't know the name or anything. And it's nothing's completely official. But Seattle's going to be the next NHL franchise. And then we'll see what happens. Who moves to the Eastern Conference, if anybody. Um, well, yeah. We'll just get to that when we get to that. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. I'm just excited to be back behind the mic again. Do you blame me? I mean, it's about bleeping time. Um, but not a great start to the season. The Wild can't beat Detroit. In the opener, it's just like, come on, like nothing's going well. You can't beat Carolina. You can't beat Detroit or Carolina. Then we beat Chicago. You get all excited, but really a nasty month. Can't beat Columbus, Winnipeg, of course. Lose one nothing to Vancouver, blah, blah, blah. A very mediocre month of October and all that. Zach Parisi's still not back with the whole back situation. Um, he came out during the preseason, the intros and stuff, and you could still see he's still hurting and all that. So then it's like they put that on delay and the recovery was continuing the official back surgery and all that. So eventually he would finally come back around Christmas time. Things improved a little bit into November with a couple impressive wins, shutting out Philadelphia 3-0, beating Nashville 6-4, this and that, and as usual beating Buffalo, but Wild can never beat New Jersey. Stunk against Winnipeg, that 7-2 thrashing. Yet somehow we sweep the future Western Conference, Campbell Conference champion uh, Vegas Golden Knights. That's pretty impressive. Um, it was nice to sweep Philadelphia back-to-back in a home-and-home and all that and sweep the Montreal Canadiens. That was pretty impressive. But generally speaking, again, still not the best month ever. Another 2 nothing loss to Corey Crawford and the Blackhawks real early in the month of November. The Wild improved a little bit, but still, you're not seeing the team we saw a year ago and all that. That had 106 points. We move into December. You can't beat Edmonton. That was a disgusting loss on the 16th on a Saturday afternoon. Oh, those matinees. I hate them. I think everybody hates them, but I hate them more. Uh, you have a home-and-home home with uh, Nashville, which is a lot of fun. After Christmas, you had the victory over Dallas just, just after Christmas. That was fun. 4-2 victory. You beat Ottawa, this and that. Chicago, you lose twice. Not the best month. Luckily, the Wild had a little more success against Calgary this year than last year. Last year, the Calgary Flames swept the Wild right out of town. Uh, the Wild continued to sweep San Jose this year, which is surprisingly, and much to the chagrin of my friend Chris over there. Chris starts in Northern California. And I'm sure Chris Porter as well in Idaho. But he's more of a Penguins fan than a Sharks fan. The Sharks are his second favorite team. Just like Calgary's my second favorite team. But uh, games like 5 nothing Winnipeg and all that. Uh, okay, no, that's much later. That was the Wilds uh, season ending <laughs> loss. He got that floating and right in my face here. And I don't want to see it. Uh, he gets swept in the little Florida two-step on the 22nd, 23rd. Merry Christmas, Wild fans, I guess. Mm. Yeah, it's just that, that's just, it's just kind of, you look at this and it kind of sums up the season. Up and down, injured, this guy's hurt, this guy's back, this guy's a turned ankle, this guy has this, this guy has that. Nita Ryder was plagued with injuries through the season. Uh, Coyle had another broken bone and he's the only right shot forward, which is kind of funny. That's where you start to think that, you know, <laughs> when the, when you talk about Fenton and the Wild are going to probably make some kind of a splash here via trade, a hockey trade, not a draft pick type of trade, that's what they're talking about, and we'll get into that in segment number two. That's what I'm really excited to talk about, but we got to put a bow on this season. Um, but no, the whole shot situation, this guy's right, this guy's left, and, and it's like the whole team is left shot pretty much, and that can kind of drive you absolutely up the wall. <sighs> kind of leaves you like, hmm, I mean, what do you do? 
makes you crazy. Um, Charlie Quayle has a right shot, and of course, everybody else, like Tyler Ennis, like Yule Eriksson-Eck, like, like uh, you know, you could go on forever. <laughs> Greenway, Koivu, Cunning. Uh, again, they're all left shot, and this was this may have been a point of uh, friction between Fletcher and Boudreaux. That may be why, if if possibly, Boudreaux might have had something to do with uh, Fletcher leaving, but then again, you know how coaches are with general managers. We'll talk about that, too, in a moment, is how there was a little shake-up with the whole uh, assistant coaches and all that, so that becomes a plot-thickens type of situation there. Um, but just about everybody in the forwards is a left shot. I mean, you could go on forever. Koivu, Stahl, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, Zucker's a left shot. And you might have guys like Parisi playing out of position on the right wing. And it's just, well, okay, he can do it, but it's not the best. It's not the best idea having a left shot on the right wing. It don't make sense, Joe. <laughs> so, possibly the guy that's most likely to get traded out of the forwards is Nito Niederreiter, not uh, Mr. Coyle. And Niederreiter's contract, well, you know, <clears throat> yeah, it's long. And that wouldn't make me cry too much if we were to move on from him but again plagued with injuries during the season so his statistics not quite as sexy as they might have been the year before obviously Charlie Coyle is a guy that's frustrated a lot of people you got the whole Las Vegas situation would we have left him available should the wild have left him available he was rumored to be in the trade instead of uh, uh Tuck and uh, and um Eric Halla at the time but uh, that's the end of the day. Uh, it would have been, a, yeah. I mean, he, he was rumored to be involved in that whole trade. And unfortunately, well, things went the way they did. Instead, Coyle, who, who knows? Maybe he would have done better in Vegas. But that just kind of leaves things where they are. Blah, blah, blah. Matt Collin, it was nice to have him back. But what a slow, awful start to the season. He started to slowly pick things up like an old, like an old stock. Slowly moving back up again after a slow, slow start. Uh, that's pretty much what Matt Collin did. But then again, the drop-off after March was noticeable. But still a factor into the postseason. And good for Matt Collin. As he was the first guy to actually score for the Wild against the Winnipeg Jets. Which is kind of funny. But um, frustration there mounted during the course of the season. The whole left shot situation, though. Definitely a frustration. A guy like Sam Anas, who never got to see the light of day for the Wild. Extremely frustrating. And that's what kind of kept you going there. And uh, kept you wondering what, what what's going on with this Wild team. Why can't... Why can't you call up Sam Anas the whole damn season when he's having so much success in the AHL? At least give him a crack. A couple, two, three games. Maybe maybe he clicks. Maybe he works out. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, you gave Steeler a chance, and he was a wonderful addition after the Brodine injury. And that's kind of how things go. He was a nice story as the season progressed uh, continuously there into 2018. As that's where we're moving now. Zach Parisi's returning and all that. <sighs> month of January. A bit better. A bit better for the Wild. The 7-2 loss to Colorado wasn't fun. Yet another loss to Calgary, which we've had many over the course of the last few years. You beat Buffalo. You beat Florida. Nice home wins for the Wild. You even beat Winnipeg as the Wild, as the Vikings are about to play the New Orleans Saints the next day. You get to see Blake Wheeler do the skull chant with the fan base. That was pretty awesome. Wild lose to Vancouver. And, well, the Vikings won that game, but it was scary as hell. A snowy day. A fun day. You beat Tampa Bay, the best team in the East at the time, on the 20th, 5-2. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> then you finally lose to Pittsburgh after having massive success against them. You finally beat Columbus on the road. That was a huge win to wrap up the month of January as you move on and on and on through the course of this. Of course, I'm not going to talk about every game, but it's generally speaking just a nice start to the season. Of course, the Vikings had lost now at this point, but the Wild continue their sweep of the Vegas Knights. In a back-to-back -back with Vegas and Dallas. You beat Vegas 5-2 in Extra Energy Center. Wow, that was fun. But then a 6-1 loss in Dallas. Oof, that was harsh. You lose to Arizona, and that was a huge uh, indicator of how 
frustrating this season could be. You lose to New Jersey again. Big shocker, you lose to Washington. The Wild never beat the Washington Capitals. Um, extremely frustrating. They keep sweeping the uh, San Jose Sharks. The Wild success rate against Anaheim after a good start under Boudreaux has gone down, has gone pear-shaped as you move into February again. But the Wild uh, struggles would would mount during the course of the season, of course. The more success than failure, but certainly at the same time, again, good is not good enough, and that's basically something I agree with. <laughs> that's something I agree with when you talk about Mr. Uh, Mr. Craig Leopold and all that with his frustration during the course of the last couple of years, and ultimately what may have gotten Chuck Fletcher fired, probably the whole Tyler Ennis trade. It's just like, you know, it, it was kind of like enough was enough, and of course Kyle Quincy moves like that. Just not going to get the job done. But that horrible trade with um, Marco Scandella was not going to get it done. Uh, Mr. Steeler did debut uh, against the New York Rangers, and I do remember that very well, on February the 13th. Kind of a scary day to start your career, but a nice 3-2 win by the Wild. And an awesome, awesome debut for Nick Steeler. Only 10 minutes, and uh, about 10 and a half minutes, but still very, very encouraging. Olofsson had been playing very well in Brodeen's stead, but then you get Nick Seeler up, he finally gets a crack at it, and I don't ever want to see him play in the AHL again unless it's some kind of a rehab stint, and you hope he doesn't have to go through that at all during the course of time. Hopefully he can stay healthy. You see the minutes increase, of course, but of course with Ryan Suter out, you're, you're going to increase when you're a left-shot defenseman, and of course Suter being a left-shot defenseman, that's a lot of minutes to fill. Brodeen got most of the minutes, he was the top guy, but then Seeler moved up to the second pairing with Spurgeon, and things went fairly well with those guys during the course of the last few games with the Suter injury. Uh, Brodeen, of course, missed extensive time early, and that's when Olofsson got <laughs> significant minutes and started looking more like an NHL defenseman. But by the end of the year, Mr. Boudreaux wanted nothing more to do with Gustav Olofsson, unfortunately. Uh, we'll see what happens if he gets traded in the offseason or what happens. But again, another left-shot defenseman. And when you have Steeler and Susie, I'd rather have Steeler and Susie than Gustav Olofsson. Uh, obviously, the obviously Gus, as we could call him, or the Goose, as I like to call him, um, much higher draft pick than the other two. But eventually, you got to make a decision on who's better. And to me, Steeler and Susie are better. Steeler for sure is better. Susie hopefully is better. It's not complete yet, and that's what'll be decided during the course of the summer and training camp and such. We'll see what happens. And sometimes jobs just change. They change over during the course of the season. A guy starts strong and then doesn't keep it going. The other guy picks it up and takes over. We'll see. But moves will be made. Gustav Olsen, don't be surprised if he's on another roster of some sorts. AHL or NHL starting off uh, the season in a different organization, as they say in the NHL. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. But uh, Nick Steeler, an extremely positive <laughs> addition during the course of the season. And it makes you feel a lot better about Chuck Fletcher, of course, because he did make good moves. Um, one of the only good moves that was remaining on the roster for Doug Risebrough was Marco Scandella. But that was, of course, one of the very few guys that ever really did succeed under Doug Risebrough. Just little free agent signings here and there that worked out. Pascal Dupuis really early. That was cool and all that, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> other than a couple of draft picks working out at the top of the draft, major failures. And then, of course, the last few years, pretty much nobody made it, including the first round draft picks. That was, uh, yeah, okay, I've gone over that a million times, but um, yeah, uh, Fletcher did a better job. I mean, Nick Sealer, Susie, guys like that. So, <laughs> but still, 
not the best. Still, it was mostly the trades I think that killed uh, Mister <laughs> killed Mister Fresher's career with the Minnesota Wild, rather than the draft. The draft was okay. Uh, you know, I, there's stuff to be encouraged about, like the Greenways and such. But again, nice to see Sealer emerge from February 13th on, and he was a factor well into the postseason, and that was absolutely fantastic. Much, much, much later, you finally got to see Luis Belpedio, but then again, that was only for one game, yet he magically got two assists in it. This and that. Um, very encouraging, though, to see Sealer progress the way he did. And now I'm kind of rehashing things here. We head into March. March, uh, well, last year was a much harsher March for the Wild than this one. The Wild beat Vegas again. They officially complete the sweep, and you finally beat the Arizona Coyotes. You finally beat Vancouver, yet the Wild, for some reason, this year can't beat Edmonton. Whatever. I mean, we, we, were, we were better against Edmonton last year when they were good, when they could have possibly gone to the Western Conference Finals last year. Um, but then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Edmonton looks like Edmonton again. The crappy team that the Wild always beat, and the Wild did not beat them. Um, you opened the, mo- the month of March, though, horribly. A loss to Arizona, 5-3, 7-1. Demolition against the, Car- uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Yuck. Uh, turning into a pretty nasty matchup for the Wild. Um, Colorado Avalanche and Minnesota. Very tough uh, future between those two. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for the Wild. Um, we may end up missing the playoffs next year, but we'll see. It may end up happening that way, but uh, it depends on who gets traded, what happens, and again, who improves. St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas, even Chicago might have a nice rebound. Who knows? And I don't want that to happen, but we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I don't know. Just It seems like every month looks the same. I mean, you win one, you lose one. You lose, you win two, you lose one. You win three, you lose three. <laughs> you win one, you lose two. Back and forth. That's kind of the story of the Wild season. Things were kind of evening out. The Wild wouldn't end up well above 500 and all that, but still... I don't know. I don't know. Frustrating season. Frustrating season and not the best finish either. I mean, you end up splitting the last couple of games. You end up clinching the playoffs and all that. You finish well ahead of teams like Colorado and St. Louis. That was the good part. You end up getting in the 100-point range again. You finally, finally beat the freaking Oilers 3-0. That was awesome in XL Energy Center. Then you lose the back-to-back in California. California. Anaheim and Los Angeles, not the best games. Then you move north a bit, and you and you beat the crap out of San Jose. That was quite surprising. I did not expect that. A six-goal flurry for Minnesota. You got to see Susie debut in the final three games of the regular season against Anaheim, Los Angeles, and the San Jose Sharks. And, of course, Susie getting hurt late down the stretch there uh, at the end of the month, or at the end of the season here. Heartbreaking for the Wild. A three-win, 3-0 win over the Edmonton Oilers. But uh, kind of is what it is. By this point, Susie had already debuted for the Minnesota Wild. But, uh, man, <laughs> as the month of March would actually see the end of uh, Ryan Suter, the end of the month of March anyway, the 31st. 4-1 uh, to loss to the Dallas Stars, a very costly loss, of course. Things were looking good for the Wild. Things were looking positive. We just beat the Stars 5-2. to Suter had two assists in the game. And then, bam, the guy hits the wall. It's Ryan Suter, and he's not getting up. And you think, that's kind of weird. He's just kind of kneeling down and... What the hell happened? He just kind of went into the wall a little bit, but it can't be that bad. Oh God, yeah. And then you look at the angle of the the, the angle of the ankle, <laughs> tongue twister, right? Yeah, the fibula broke, but then the tallest too. Look, this is beyond belief. And yes, we did talk about this earlier and at the time and all that. But the tallest is that little—it's basically like a ball socket in your ankle, and you know how ball sockets create motion for any type of device, like a monitor or who knows, anything. 
could be anything like your, you know, part, parts of your car, this and that, the ball socket. Well, that's what the tallest acts like. And just like the little scaphoid bone in your wrist, which I broke, which is great. Um, that kind of thing, it takes forever to heal, not just because of the location, uh, the location and how crucial it is, but because the blood flow is different there. Normally a bone takes six weeks to heal, six to eight weeks or so, usually six though. It grows pretty fast. It heals back in place pretty fast when I broke my, the two bones in my arm, uh, way back in 92, um, took about six weeks, still hurts like hell or still hurt like hell for a year. But then you have the little bone, the little tiny scaphoid. You think, oh, that's just a little one. Eh, it'll heal, but it's in a crucial spot and less blood flow, and it takes months to heal. And guess what? That happened in 1998. Guess what year it is? 2018. It still hurts. Yeah, so hopefully uh, sooner, though. Uh, obviously, had a more <laughs> had a more uh, detailed type of surgery, though, to prevent any type of a permanent damage there. And hopefully, sooner will return. 100% again at some point. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's aching there long-term later on in his life, but we'll see. Um, but obviously mine was a little different situation. We'll leave that alone. That's not necessary. You probably don't need to know. But uh, yeah, Suter, again, hopefully a uh, full recovery at some point. He's been on crutches. I was like, he's standing. But yeah, crutches. I still could not uh, apply any pressure in that area for a while yet. Um, eventually he'll be able to again and then hopefully get some strength back and yes, <laughs> then he'll be able to skate again and oh yeah, well he's pledged that he will return, just like he said at the uh, Paul Fenton press conference, so we'll see what happens, it's like he's standing with crutches not standing on the foot, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Ryan Suter, speedy recovery hopefully still to this day um, that was against the Dallas Stars yeah, tough, tough situation for Ryan Suter and all that. And, of course, that's where the Wild had to bring up Carson Susie right away. You bring up Sealer to replace Brodeen during Brodeen's injury. Then, ultimately, Sealer's so good, he ends up knocking Olofsson out of any type of hope of playing. And, yeah, he uh, has a significant amount of success. Then Susie gets extended playing time, plays throughout the playoffs, though he gets uh, sent down, or sat down anyway, scratched in the final playoff games there when things didn't go so hot for him in the postseason against the Winnipeg Jets. But very few teams did well against Winnipeg until the Vegas Golden Knights played them, which was quite a shocker. That's segment number three. Frustrating injury for Nick Steeler. Ah, Nick Steeler. Please, not Nick Steeler. But uh, frustrating injury for Ryan Steeler, and we hope that he will indeed return. And we'll see what happens with Paul Fenton, how things, uh, how relationships do uh, get put together with the players and the coaching staff and all that as we continue forward. So far, things look positive between Boudreaux and Mr. Paul Fenton, but there was a change in the coaching staff. Of course, John Anderson on his way out, and Paul Evison brought in. Paul Evison did have experience with Boudreaux for an extended period in Washington, so they know each other well, and they do like each other, but Mr. Anderson was Mr. Anderson was uh, Bruce Boudreaux's best friend. So, yeah, but Boudreaux said he's okay with it. It kind of is what it is. It's tough, but he's okay with it, that type of thing. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be uh, extremely interesting to see how this gets put together. Everson was the head coach of the Milwaukee Admirals, which were the minor league affiliate for the Nashville Predators. So the plot thickens. Put two and two together there, and the plot thickens. <clears throat> Paul Molitor brought in to be on the coaching staff for Ron Gardenhire, that type of thing. But yeah, but yeah, but that's none of my business. I sip this coffee. <clears throat> yeah, that would be great. No, I'm kidding. I, I like Bruce Boudreaux. I hope uh, I hope he's uh, here for a long time. I actually like him quite a bit, but 
I don't know. Business is business, right? <laughs> it's kind of it kind of is what it is. Uh, I don't even want to talk about the playoffs anymore. It was a bad matchup. Things didn't start well and things didn't end well. The Wild did win one of the games, which was nice. Made things kind of interesting, winning the third game. Staying alive, ha-ha, staying alive. And then, well, things dropped very dramatically after that with a couple of shutouts. Yeah, a couple of shoutouts to the Winnipeg Jets. You know, the 2-0 loss in game number four. That was kind of all she wrote, and it was extremely frustrating. Hella buck was uh, hella good for the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Pardon the pun, but I had to say it, I guess. And 5-0 loss to the Jets was kind of like, yeah, well, that was kind of like, Fletcher, that game isn't, that game isn't why you're gone, but just the whole success level of this team is why you're gone. Some not good free agent signings, some good ones, and some not good ones. Some not so good draft picks, and some good ones, this and that, but mostly I think the trades are what did Fletcher in. Most of his trades stunk, to be quite honest. I mean, how many good trades did Fletcher make? Nick Laddie and all that for Cam Barker. No, that's not good. Um, you know, I, I talked about it extensively on the last show about a month ago. Check it out, this and that, if you haven't yet. Yeah, I mean, too many trades. Obviously, the Scandella trade was kind of the nail in the coffin for Fletcher. That's why his contract was not renewed, because it would have been renewed if Mr. I keep calling everybody Mr., but if Craig Leopold wanted to keep Chuck Fletcher, things would, uh, well, things would have gone in that direction last summer, and they didn't. So he was kind of on a trial basis going into his ninth season with the Wild, and, well, trial and error. I guess it was error for Chuck Fletcher. It is what it is. Paul Fenton will be introduced, uh, is, has been introduced, no kidding, as the general manager of the Minnesota Wild, and we'll, as fans, get introduced to his style very, very soon, which is more aggressive than Chuck Fletcher. Um, <clears throat> but you got to sit and hope that he's better at making trades. So far, in his time with Nashville, it appears that he has been better, and the draft has been well. As he took care of the draft from 03 to 08. Again, we'll get to that soon. I keep teasing to it because I'm very excited uh, and encouraged and hoping for the best here. As this team still has a chance to be good with a couple of significant moves here and there. The tweaking will be significant tweaking. It's not like, yeah, Kyle Quincy for, okay, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, 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 let's bring in another Kyle Quincy type. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a little more steady and he plays this position and this and that. You know, he'll stabilize things. No, it's going to have to be a lot more significant tweaking than that. Somebody like Niederreiter or Coyle gone, or both, this and that. We could go on forever. Maybe uh, even Eric Stahl on his way out, but hopefully a decent amount of return for a 40-goal scorer. Uh, a guy that could easily still get 30 for his next team or the Wild next year, depending on how that direction goes. So, as we wrap things up, let's pass out the awards, and I'll also check out what you had to say on the Facebook page which is, of course, facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild. The Twitter account is at Brave the Wild. For me, the most valuable player for the 2017-18 Minnesota Wild is Eric Stahl. 42-goal season, very valuable, though I was very disappointed with how his season finished. He went, he went Once he got to the 40 goals, it was just kind of like, okay, I made it, and looks like we made it and all that, and then you're sitting around waiting, and okay, I guess that's all he's going to finish with is 42 goals. Uh... Not bad or anything. That's freaking awesome. I mean, it only happened one other time for the Minnesota Wild, but how about a little bit of uh, scoring in the postseason here? Okay, Hellebuck was great and all that, and Winnipeg is smothering, and they're physical, and they're just better. They're bigger, stronger, faster, blah, 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 blah. I think that's a song somewhere. Um, Daft Punk or something like that. Uh, not quite, but close. <sighs> but basically, just put it together. 
and that's what Winnipeg versus Minnesota was. Um, and Eric Stahl was not much of a factor in the postseason. The whole top line stunk for the most part among everyone else. Oh, dang it. And, of course, it didn't help that Parisi broke his sternum. But apparently he's, uh, he's uh, well, pretty much fully recovered, strong, healthy, feeling good again. So, awesome. Um, Zach Parisi had a renaissance, and it was good, and we hope it continues. Awesome. Now we need Suter to come back healthy. Pray to God for that one, indeed. As Suter had been such an Iron Man. And off it goes. You know, off it goes for now, unfortunately. <clears throat> Eric Stahl, most valuable player. Again, awesome season. What a what a fun year watching Eric Stahl. Again, his finish is what frustrates me, and I'm sorry to jump into the negative, but that is a part of it. That You have to mention that. You can't finish. You, you have to write the whole book. You can't just skip the final chapter. The final chapter was disappointing. But all the chapters before that were awesome. And thank you, Eric Stahl. You were the most valuable player for the Minnesota Wild in 2017-2018. And well-deserved. Without a doubt there. There is no doubt. And, of course, just in general, the 76 points as well. You can go back with Eric Stahl. Mikhail Granlin was definitely a candidate. He still won up with 67 points. Missed a few games. Still won up with 21 goals. 46 assists. Awesome moments, but inconsistent. And invisible in the playoffs. Just like Eric Stahl. Invisible in the playoffs. Jason Zucker, 33 points during the... 33 goals, pardon me. 64 points. Whoo, boy. No Las Vegas for him in terms of uh, leaving him unprotected, right? Right After the nice resurgence he had last season. Ended up having a 33-goal season, but invisible in the playoffs again. Suter had a 50-point season, which was awesome. Actually, a career high, if you can believe it. Matt Dumba, 50-point season, a career high as well, of course. As last year, he got into the 30s, which was nice. And then he saw him eclipse 40 and just jump right all the way up to 50. Miko Cuevo, only 45 points during the course of the season. Only 14 goals. Was invisible time and time again. And you extend the guy for two more years. That's another reason why Fletcher probably should go, um, I don't know, $5.5 million for Cuevo for two more years. Oh, I would not mind seeing him come off the books and get him get him traded at some point. But I don't know. I might offend some Wild fans by saying that. But 45 points. Thank you for playing 82 games, though. That's awesome. Spurgeon missed an extended period of time, which hurt his numbers. He might have had 50 points as well. Spurgeon and Coyle both stuck at 37. Uh, Spurgeon in only 61 games. 37 points. That's not bad. Coyle, 37 points in the 66 games and all that. So that leads you to the biggest disappointment of the season, and that's Charlie Coyle. It's you, Charlie. It's you, Chuck. Hey, Chuck. Yeah. 30, 37 points. I know you were hurt, this and that, but then you were healthy, and you still won it with only 37 points. You just barely scraped double digits, and this is a guy that some people thought might be a 30-goal scorer in this league. 37 points, man. Ah, Nito Niederreiter, who played hurt pretty much the whole year, still uh, won up with only 32 points, but 18 of them were goals, and he was a factor here and there, had some multiple goal performances and all that. Disappointing season, but I can't call him the biggest disappointment. Charlie Coyle was the biggest disappointment for the Minnesota Wild this year, along with the injuries to so many guys. Again, Spurgeon missing a ton of time, Brodeen missing an extended period. Um, he didn't progress that well. Uh, Tyler Ennis, you know, he stunk and all that, and only 22 points in 73 games. But did you expect a whole lot of, out of Tyler Ennis with his production at Buffalo? Not really. You were hoping, but it didn't happen. Of course, he will be an honorable mention anyway, because he was a 50-point type of guy, was Tyler Ennis, but as a forward. Nothing spectacular. But good enough. 50 points is supposed to be better. Uh, Eulerius' next production, scoring-wise, was disappointing, but he started showing signs. But it also doesn't help when the guy's stuck on the fourth line and the, and the third line here and there. Never gets any power play opportunities. Wound up with 16 points. Started showing some signs later on. Chris Stewart was the only other right shot forward on the Minnesota Wild roster. And, of course, he's just Chris Stewart. You know, he started awesome, like he did the year before. And, well, 
yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever, one of the 13 points. So somebody basically telling me I don't know what I'm talking about and why am I so salty saying Chris Stewart's the kind of guy I don't really give a crap about. Well, that's why I don't really give a crap. Uh, God bless him. He looks like a fun guy and all that, but uh, <laughs> whatever. I mean, great. He had a couple good games at the beginning of the season. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, Luke Cunnan's ACL was heartbreaking as well. And, uh, another left shot, of course. You might as well just call him the Minnesota lefties. But, yeah. Um, hmm. Uh, Luke Cunning, though, yeah, I mean, heartbreaking to see him get an ACL and all that. Hopefully he'll be ready by October, this and that. And um, boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, you want to see what he can do out there. <sighs> so far, I've not been all that impressed with Luke Cunning. He didn't break through much in Iowa. He had a hat trick. Uh, he had a hat trick last season at the last second. It was kind of funny. Uh, in a couple games he played last season, the year before, I'm trying to say, in this short little stint there. Like how other guys that, like uh, Mr. Belpedio got his short stint there, just, just coming out of college, this and that Greenway, same, well, Greenway came right to the NHL. Um, but uh, Cunning, yeah, this season, just he was there the whole year, and just kind of, you know, he started to, he started showing signs later on, but still hasn't really broke through yet. Very, very young, nice career ahead of him, but uh, some guys, they start off right away really well, um, and other guys don't. I mean, Yuleric Sinek, he showed serious signs of something, down in the AHL, which tells me I think there's something there, and his role needs to improve, needs to be increased with the Minnesota Wild this coming season, and I hope Mr. Uh, Boudreaux can do that for Mr. Oh, I gotta stop. I gotta stop saying that. I have a bad habit there. For Yule Erickson Eck. Just say Yule Erickson Eck. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Matt Cullen is at his final season, 22 points, 79 games, 11 and 11 for Matt Cullen. 11 goals, 11 assists, is he done? I think he's done with the Wild. Talk is that he is done with the Wild. Nothing personal. It's business, that type of thing. Both Fenton and Colin, this and that. It's nothing personal. It's business, that type of thing. Uh, he may end up with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He may end up with the National Predators. Or he may end up uh, back in Minnesota as a uh, father of of hockey players. As a, as, a, as a hockey papa. That may be the next step for Matt Colin. So we'll see what happens there. I think he could be in the media if he really wanted to. But... Does he want to? That's up to him. We'll just have to let that uh, let him cross that bridge when he gets there. Justin Clues, don't be surprised to see him as a fourth-line center for the Wild at some point next year, but we'll see. He only got one game in during the course of the season. Christoph Bursky on his way out, traded, blah, blah, blah. Kyle Rao didn't get much action with the Wild. Greenway showed some signs, some really nice passing skills in the um, in the time he was out there. And he had a pretty exciting goal against the Winnipeg Jets as well. It was his first NHL goal, but postseason, not regular season. So you won't see it in his regular season numbers. Um, only one assist in the six official games he played in the regular season. But there's there, there's something. There's something there with Greenway, and it's very visible. Uh, the strength, the confidence, hopefully, will increase during the course of the summer and all that. So the biggest surprise during the course of the season, I think, is a pretty easy choice in 22 games, four points. But the stats obviously don't mean anything when it comes to Nick Steeler. It's his, it's his abilities out there. His physicality, uh, his ability to win the battles, this and that. That's what defensemen need to do. It's nice to have an anger defenseman. He doesn't have to be a 50-point rocket shot uh, Matt Dumba to be a good defenseman. He has to be a defenseman first. Defense first. And then add some points here and there. There is skill there. I think he could get... I mean. You don't think he can get 21 points in a full season like a Jonas Brodin? Of course he can. but And then add more physicality uh, than Jonas Brodin does bring. Jonas Brodin brings skill 
and this and that. And good positioning, but occasionally he's not the best. <laughs> I think we've noticed that over the course of the years he's been out there. Uh, but Nick Steeler, you're seeing a guy who wins battles, and he wins them time and time again. And you don't see a whole lot of mistakes. He was easily the, the biggest surprise for the Minnesota Wild this season. Just two years ago, he was he almost looked like he was left for dead. He's just a mediocre guy who gets too many penalties and has no offensive ability whatsoever. Just a little too out of control with the AHL, this and that. Just two years ago, starting things off with the Iowa Wild. Then he improved and improved and improved. Then he came back to the AHL again, this and that. And you're sitting and waiting. And okay, a lot of us are like, okay, Sealer Susie, can one of them please come up? But no, they can't because it's all left shot defensemen. You got Brodeen, you got Studer, you got, uh, well, I guess Olofsson. Olofsson kind of, well, he's a higher-ranking guy. You're just waiting for somebody to get hurt, which is kind of sad. Brodeen did get hurt, and there was Nick Steeler. And yes, there you go. Now you get to see what Nick Steeler's all about, and he uh, has proven himself to be an NHL player. At least I hope so. How many times have we been disappointed the next year? Oh, but pray to God that will not be the case moving forward. Um... But I do believe Nick Steeler is what he is. He's going to have a nice, successful career in the NHL, 10 years or more, hopefully, and provide that anchor defenseman, that Richard, Richard Matvichuk that the Wild haven't had since, <clears throat> well, Willie Mitchell. Willie Mitchell wasn't a big-time scorer. He was big, physical, right place, right time, and didn't get, didn't get you in trouble. And that's what Nick Steeler could be, is another Willie Mitchell type for the Minnesota Wild, and that would be bleeping awesome if that's the case. Nick Steeler, the biggest surprise for your Minnesota Wild. And overall, not so successful season, but not a complete failure. It was nice to get to the playoffs six years in a row, and you get to 100 points two years in, in a row, and it's the, the third time in this six uh, years in a row that the Wild did get to the 100-point range. Fourth time overall in franchise history, as you had the 100 points years ago, and the Wild did not win the division, <clears throat> but they had that awesome season, awesome record, and then ended up losing... Colorado. It was, uh, no, that wasn't Colorado. That was the year before to Anaheim. Anaheim just poof, put the thrashing on the Minnesota Wild. That was disappointing, but uh, that's kind of is what it is there. Uh, awesome season when you had Demetra and Gabrick and all that. Awesome numbers, and then the Wild did nothing in the playoffs, but at least they made it. Ness's way back about 07, 06, 07. So right before Paladino Live started. The next year they did. The Wild won the division, but it was a little bit weaker team, and we lost to the Colorado Avalanche in that series. Oof. That sucked. So that's kind of what that is. <clears throat> that kind of puts the wraps on the season. 101 points. 45-26. Uh, nice finish at the end of the year, but still good is not good enough. And I agree with that. I agree with that. And I'm glad that the Wild did make the changes. Chuck Fletcher seemed like a great guy and all that. And certainly made some good moves, but not enough. Good moves. Good, good is not good enough. And I agree with that once again. So with that, we'll take a quick break and we will introduce Paul Fenton to Brave the Wild. I have some addenda and a rata to do really quick. I didn't get to uh, Pavel Bunet's uh, 
<laughs> MVP, biggest disappointment, biggest surprise. So my apologies there. I'm going to do it right now. Just too excited to get back behind the mic and talk about Paul Fenton that I just kept jumping ahead and jumping ahead. I knew I was forgetting something. So here it is now. Pavel Bonet out of the Czech Republic says MVP. Stall because of many reasons. Simply, he was a true leader and, sh- and he showed the second best scoring season in wild history. Nobody deserves MVP Ward more than him. Biggest disappointment, Coyle and Niederreiter. Good good call there. Good call there. Uh, he says, I believe they both could reach top level sometime, but last season was a shame for Nino and really bad for Coyle. Unfortunately, there is maybe time for a trade. And yeah, I think one of them will be gone for sure. As for who, I, I, I don't know. The funny thing that might keep Coyle here temporarily is the fact he's one of the only right shot players on the team, for cripe's sake. So, that's a big problem. And I said cripes with a P. So those of you that don't want to hear me cursing, I didn't. <laughs> Biggest surprise stealer. So, yep, very much like me here. Biggest surprise stealer. He was the underdog in almost every team he played. Honestly, I never believed he could become an NHLer someday, but he surprised me in every way. I had a feeling he could be, but yeah, he was quite an underdog, like I was saying two years ago. He didn't look like he was anywhere near it, and if he made it, he would barely make it, and he would just be kind of one of those guys that gets penalties every 10 seconds, and that's what he was. And, well, not anymore. He looks awesome, and wow, I'm very happy, very pleased with how things went. So let's talk about the transactions that took place very briefly here, very briefly, if humanly possible. Thought I had them up, and I did. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're right here. My bad. Um, so, at the end of the day, not, nothing spectacular, but they're good moves. But they're, you know, they're moves. Uh, Mason, Mason Shaw. This was, of course, uh, Blair that did this, the assistant general manager for the Minnesota Wild, Ren Blair, uh, before Fenton was hired. Mason Shaw signed a three-year entry-level contract. Sam Anas re-signed for a two-year contract. So glad to have Sam Anas back in the fold. Dmitry Sokolov, that's right. And I believe he's a right shot. That would be helpful. Out of Russia, of course, seventh-round pick from Chuck Fletcher, 2016. Dmitry Sokolov, three-year entry-level contract. Dmitry Sokolov, hopefully, finally, on his way at least to the AHL, maybe the NHL. Eric Martinson was signed as a free agent one-year deal, probably for minor leagues or something like that. Uh, Maxim Fortunus, that's an interesting name, came out of Germany. Nope, no, 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 he left. He left to Europe, so he left the Wild organization. Kapo Kakkonen. Kapo Kakkonen out of Finland. Two-year entry-level contract. That's right, Kapo Kakkonen. Very cool. Draft pick by Fletcher around the same time, about two years ago, 2015, three years ago. Kakkonen added, so great. Very happy to have him in the fold. He's had some pretty nice success over there in Europe, and yeah, up-and-comer there, about 21 years of age. Improved every year. And, yeah, I would not be surprised if Kapo Kalkinen is in the Minnesota Wild <laughs> on the NHL roster at some point in the not-too-distant future, possibly after Alex Daylock's contract is over. Uh, Adam Vey, Adam Vey, who's played a lot of time in the ECHL for the Minnesota Wild with the Loons and, of course, or the, yeah, and then uh, the Mallards, pardon me. I'm getting them mixed up with other teams. The Mallards, the Quad City Mallards, and the Rapid City Rush. Rush Adam Vey is off to Europe with Russia. Adam Vey off to Europe with Russia. Adam Vey is from Turkey, which is pretty rare, obviously, in the NHL. Victor Louv, Victor Louv, who was acquired for Bursky and Mario Lucia, he's off to the KHL. Uh, Adam Vey is off to the VHL, Russia too. KHL, which is a tougher league, that is where Victor Louv is off to. So, unfortunately, Louv is gone already. Um, that's unfortunate. Um, 
I kind of, you know, I mean, it, that that didn't take long. And it just shows Mario Lucia, nothing too exciting. Victor Alouf is a right shot defenseman, which is of need. But, of course, with all the prospects that are probably ahead of him or will leapfrog him in the not-too-distant future, guys like Menel and, of course, Belpedio already made it to the NHL and all that, at least for one game. And we'll see what happens during the summer camps and in the NHL and the training camp and all that into September. Um, hopefully, Belpedio makes the NHL roster. Um, there'll be decisions made there with that. But uh, Victor Louvre on his way over to Europe as of May 25th. Paul Fenton had already been hired at that point. I'm guessing Fenton informed both of those guys they will not be signed. So they moved on in other directions. Kochanen is in the fold. Silkolov Kochanen, a nice to have. Uh, Mason Shaw, who a lot of people did like. He had an ACL injury before last season. Uh, one of Fletcher's draft picks in that very strange draft last year where the Wild only had third round and beyond. Of course, Ivan Ladnia also signed a minor league, uh, excuse me, not minor league, but entry-level contract much earlier to try to uh, bridge the gap with uh, <laughs> Kirill Kaprizov's agent right there. So a little conversation. That's a way to kind of get things going, get some brownie points with uh, Kaprizov's agent, which is, of course, Ladnia's agent. So... That's what the thinking was there. And, yeah, we'll have to wait a long, long time for Mr. Kaprizov. Apparently, it just, just happened. Uh, Nicholas Svedberg is also off to Sweden. So, Nicholas Svedberg is gone. Which probably means that's Kapokokkanen's job in the AHL next year. Which, cool. Uh, Kapokokkanen. Yep, with uh, Stephen Michalik or who, who knows who else. But uh, I, I got to think that's what's going on. That's why those guys left, uh, Adam Vey and Svedberg. Back to Europe, Kalkinen to Iowa. I would not be surprised at all. And good. <laughs> Things are coming together. Kalkinen, very successful in Finland. We'll see what he does in North America here or in the United States at this point. Iowa and ultimately Minnesota. This just happened. Wow, this just popped up. Information popping up right before my eyes here. Svedberg, gone. Former Boston Bruin and, of course, Iowa Wild. Paul Fenton, who is this guy? Well, yeah, he's pretty familiar. <laughs> he's been the assistant general manager for Nashville forever. He's been in the organization forever. I uh, started with the organization, the organization back in 98. 98, the team started playing in 98. They were the first team uh, of the uh, expansion draft to get started that year, 98. Remember how in uh, 97 was when four, team, four cities were named anyway. They weren't, uh, their, their team name wasn't named, but the cities were named Nashville. Atlanta, which is now the Winnipeg Jets, the Winnipeg Jets 2.0 anyway, Minnesota and Columbus, which of course Blue Jackets and Wild, duh, but uh, yes, he's been with the organization since the beginning, and that's pretty amazing, uh, he ran the draft, him being of course Paul Fenton from 2003 to 2008, uh, including guys like Roman Josie, of course Ryan Suter, Pekka Rene, and others, uh, done a hell of a job. Uh, he's actually he was also the full GM of the uh, Milwaukee Admirals for quite a bit of time, at least from 2006 on. Um, that's when he officially became the assistant general manager for the Nashville Predators. Before that, he played in the NHL with the Hartford Whalers. That's got a soft spot for me right there. I love the Hartford Whalers from uh, 84 to 86, 86 and 87 with the New York Rangers, the Los Angeles Kings, 87-89, 89-90 with the Winnipeg Jets, the original Winnipeg Jets, known as the Phoenix Coyotes. <clears throat> and then he was moved around and tossed around like a tossed salad in 90-91. That's a very familiar year in these parts. Minnesota North Stars were the Campbell Conference champions. Unfortunately, did not win the series, losing four games to two. 
to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Ugh, Winnipeg Jets. Maple, Toronto Maple Leafs, anyway. Calgary Flames and the San Jose Sharks in his final season. That was the Sharks' first season in existence. So kind of uh, one final year, as that does happen a lot, where a guy is aging and he gets to play on an expansion roster at the end of his career. And that's what Paul Fenton did. Played eight years in the NHL. More of a gritty fourth-line type of guy. Defensive forward, worked his ass off, that type of guy. Um... Daniel Winnick type. So maybe Daniel Winnick will be a uh, <laughs> an assistant general manager or general manager one day in the NHL. Now, oftentimes, those type of guys have some success, and Paul Fenton has had success, but he never got to become the main guy. He's now 58 years old, um, but did a hell of a job, though. Uh, a lot of talk here. He's always had the ability to identify and, and all that, identify talent. He was able to acquire uh, Ryan Hartman, Kyle Turris, P.K. Supan, Ryan Johansson, James Neal, guys like that during the course of last year. Philip Forsberg was, he was part of that draft. Mike Fisher, Ross Shea Weber as well. That's a name that would be quite familiar around here. Even uh, helped facilitate a trade with Timo Solani from Anaheim uh, way back in, uh, from uh, to Anaheim from Winnipeg way back in 1996. Now, of course, he played, or was a scout with the Anaheim Ducks. He was a scout and then cheap professional scout with the Ducks from 93 to 98. The Ducks started in 93. Similar situation there where there was multiple uh, expansion teams uh, in the early 90s, just like the late 90s. Ultimately led to the Minnesota Wild and Columbus uh, wrapping that up. But of course, it started off with the Sharks, and then you move on with Tampa Bay, and then Anaheim and Ottawa joined the NHL in that sense. So four teams added there, four teams added about five years later, and now finally the Las Vegas Golden Knights all these years later. The Campbell Conference, Western Conference champion Vegas Golden Knights could not beat the <laughs> Washington Capitals despite looking very encouraging in the first two games. Things changed dramatically after a certain goaltender named Holtby made a great save, and uh, I was all she wrote there. <sighs> but Fletcher has known Craig Leopold pretty much since, uh, yeah, he started with the Nashville Predators, and since the Nashville Predators started 20 years ago. So a long-standing relationship with Chuck Fletcher, uh, excuse me, Craig Leopold. Fletcher just might end up going to be the assistant general manager with the uh, Nashville Predators. That's a small possibility. Um, that's how things go there. No major moves yet, other than, of course, Anderson on his way out from the Minnesota Wild staff, and Everson brought in from the Washington Capitals at one point, and was the head coach of the Milwaukee Admirals this past season. He's had some success and definitely a lot of, uh, he's, he's well known for uh, Bruce Boudreaux as well. A long standing relationship there. Just not as close as John Anderson. Cause I mean, there's your best, there's your friends and then there's your best friend. And Anderson was the best friend of was and is uh, Bruce Boudreaux's best friend. So that's the unfortunate side. Interesting thing about Paul Fenton here, which has got me kind of excited is he's aggressive and he likes to make trades and, He's good at it. <laughs> He's good at it, first and foremost. Why he hasn't gotten a job elsewhere, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure it's, if he's one of those. He, he's got a little bit of Mike Zimmer. He's actually the same age as Mike Zimmer. He's not Mr. Smiley, Mr. Mr. Like, I wear my emotions on my sleeve every second. I'm Mr. King of the media, you know, but he gets the job done, you know, and that's the hope here that Paul Fenton will do that. Uh, maybe he's just a little bit too honest when he's getting interviewed, but he was able to get into this one. Obviously, the tweaks will be more dramatic than just, again, small little moves. Like, okay, well, we need to shore up the fourth line, Justin Kloos. There's your tweak. Bada bing, bada boom. Go get the Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup or bust. As the thunder in the background is starting to clap here. Whoa, it's getting dark out there. Getting dark out there. You know, there. 
sorry, <laughs> distracted with that noise there. Um, but pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, this guy is the first general manager for the Minnesota Wild, which is U.S. born. So that's, eh, okay, it's not important. It's just, it is what it is. Played in Boston University. He is from Massachusetts. You will hear a little bit of the accent there, but it's not as noticeable as some other guys. Of course, when you're in Nashville since 98, maybe your accent won't be quite as strong at that point, your East Coast accent. But uh, most, most importantly, Paul Fenton is going to be aggressive. Uh, I got to think he will buy out Tyler Ennis, like I was talking about the last couple episodes. I highly doubt Tyler Ennis will be back. Why would you bring him back? You know, his production is not the same. He's another PR Mark Bouchard. He might sign with another team for a cheap contract and play for a little while and they just, like, send him down or he gets hurt again or who knows. God bless him. I hope he doesn't get hurt. I know he's the best friend of uh, Jared Spurgeon, but again, business is business. And if he's not good enough to really be a factor for the Minnesota Wild, then what's the point? Uh, I can't imagine a guy with the personality of Paul Fenton keeping Tyler Ennis on the Minnesota Wild roster. That just don't make sense. So I don't expect that to take place. Um, as you continue to bounce around here. Um, somebody's going to get moved here, and that is the talk. Again, I'm very excited about the Kapokokkanen move, though, and understandable. You can just see things coming together here, and that's why Svedberg and Vey are gone, because that roster spot is vanishing quickly. Uh, you get a legitimate prospect coming up here in uh, moving up the rankings here and coming to the United States, now out of Finland. Some, something's going on, and I do think Kaba Kulkanen has a legitimate shot to be the goalie of the future for the Minnesota Wild. Um, he'll be at least the backup, I think. Uh, a year from now, there'll be a legitimate chance he'll be the backup. Maybe assign Stalock for one more year. I don't know, but Stalock will be a free agent after this season. There's no chance they're going to buy him out. That'd be just dumb. Uh, Marcus Felino, again, though, the contract he signed for... 23, uh, you know, for, for for almost 3 million a year with only 23 points. He brings something, but he doesn't bring all that much. Uh, not that exciting of an addition is uh, Marcus Foligno. You wish you could buy him out, but again, that's another reason why Fletcher probably not the general manager of the Wild anymore. Something's going to happen, though, and you even heard Bruce Boudreau say that I do expect something to happen here in the next couple of weeks. Even Bruce Boudreau is expecting it, so something's up. Uh, why would the head coach say that? Yeah, because he's got a feel. And this general manager is going to be interesting to be around. I mean, Fletcher made some splashes, but very few of them were good. In fact, well, none of them were. Um, the the Pommonville one was a nice, was nice, but I mean, you gave up, it was constantly giving up prospects. And I don't know, eventually draft picks and prospects, just getting rid of them over and over and over again was not good. Sometimes you got to make a change to the roster. And then, you know, and then that's how you improve the team. You actually just change the current roster rather than dump away draft picks and and or the other side of things, dump away players for picks. That's what Mr. Uh, Leopold does not want to do. He doesn't want to just trade Coyle away for picks. He wants to trade Coyle for somebody else. <laughs> uh, Max Pax already, somebody like that. Um, that's a name that's out there, of course. Uh, John Carlson's a possibility, the Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals, if the Wild move Dumba, which could happen. The possibility's out there. I don't think a lot of people want the Wild to move Dumba because you're starting to see more and more signs of what Dumba's all about. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to uh, with Dumba's career continuing to progress. I mean, 50 points. And this, you know, and he played all 82 games. He stayed healthy. He's durable. He was a plus 15. Despite the mistakes, he was a plus 15, which is one of the tops on the team. Jonas Burdeen was number one. Uh, Dumba was number two on the whole roster. Jonas Burdeen, plus 23. That's awesome. 
I wouldn't be surprised if one of Dumbo or Brodeen was moved. There's a chance that Brodeen will be moved at some point, particularly if Ryan Suter's health is looking good. If Ryan Suter's healthy, maybe Brodeen does get moved. Uh, Susie would move up, or possibly you acquire a defenseman for Brodeen, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Brodeen for a forward of some sorts. It's tough to give up defense in, though, because they're hard to replace. Uh, unless, again, you really have a strong opinion on Carson Susi, and it's probably a little too early to say that at this stage. Seems like we're rich with the left-shot defenseman for now, but very quickly it vanishes, where the right-shot defenseman becomes a little bit teeny but more rich down the uh, down into the system a little bit, into the fold. Now, as you look a little bit further down in the system, we're becoming richer and richer at the right shot. Um, again, Belpedio, Brennan Menel, and others along the way. Um, Prosser, obviously, to me, he's a factor, but he gets beat. I mean, he's not spectacular. He brought positive energy to the roster, to the team, way better than what Kyle Quincy could bring. Uh, smarter player than Kyle Quincy. He didn't make stupid-ass penalties, but he, he he got beat on occasion. Clearly, he's just he's not a great player. He's a good defenseman. He's a solid defenseman. To me, he's like a sixth or seventh guy that I think should be on the roster. Sixth or seventh, though. And I want to see a Belpedio. Or if miracles happen, a Brennan Mental. And of course, again, you don't want to see any of those guys get traded at the right shot because it's it's not rich right now, but as things move forward, it can, it can get richer. It can. Uh, left shot, it's tough. You have defensemen in the system that are left shot, but it doesn't look like they're going to move up at any time super soon. And that's the hard part, I think, long term for some of these defensemen out there at the ECHL and such. You also have, uh, well, the other right shot defenseman that has a chance as a guy who's going into his senior year is Jack Sadik with the Gophers. He's moving into his senior year. He's a right shot defenseman. That shows potential. Not much of a score, but could be that physical uh, defenseman that can provide offense, but is generally a smart, solid defender. That's what I do believe uh, Jack Sadik can bring. I don't think he'll be moved. There'd be no reason to, but then again, unless it's your Pete uh, putting him as part of the deal, I suppose. But I don't think Jack Sadik's at the top of other teams' lists of, oh God, you got to bring him in. Um, but who knows? Maybe somebody did identify him. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to how things go with Fenton. Uh, the moves that could be made here. Coyle, Niederreiter. I think Niederreiter is the most likely guy to go because he's a left shot. And there's too many left shots on the roster. This and that. Coyle, I'm frustrated with him. And if you do trade him, you got to get a right shot back. You have to get a right shot for him and Niederreiter. I would, I would not mind one minute if both of them were traded as long as, well, there was an improvement. And, of course, not every general manager is just going to make a mistake and give you the better player every time. So that's the other thing. It's It may not be the easiest thing in the world to get a suitable replacement for these players, as frustrating as they've been the past couple of years, uh, particularly last year. Every time you think Coyle's going to step up, and it looks like, here we go, he's going to get 30 goals, he steps down. He steps down again, he disappears, or he just mirac- miraculously gets hurt once again, just magically gets hurt, and then you got to sit and wait again and hope for the best. And that's kind of what's taken place with Coyle the last couple of years. Uh, he's been in the NHL a while, and you look at Niederreiter, he's already had seven years in the NHL. That's crazy when you sit down and think about that, that he's had that much time already with the organization. It's unbelievable. Now, of course, part of it was the... Uh, New York Islanders, remember one goal in 55 games. That was unbelievable with me and my buddy Neil Nate Duck Thiesing 
God rest his soul. I miss him so much. But yeah, we talked about that at the time when he made that trade with Clutter, Clutterbuck. Like, hopefully this guy steps up, and he did, but he certainly wasn't spectacular. Um, Nick Boca is another defenseman in the fold with Michigan. He's also a right shot defenseman who's physical. So it's going to be kind of between him and Sadik possibly long term in the next couple of years. Both of them very young. So they were actually both taken in the same draft, which is kind of funny. Uh, I'm trying to think of which defenseman it was that I was looking at not that long ago who's got to kind of have a hell of a time. But oh yeah, Dylan Lobby. Yep, fourth round pick in 2013. He's a left shot. But hey, maybe, maybe because if, if guys get moving, maybe it does give Dylan Labe hope, but he has done a whole lot of nothing so far. Quad City Mallards only six points and forty and forty-two games last year with the Rapid City Rush only eight points. So he's obviously got a long way to go. Even if you're more of a stay-at-home defenseman, I got to think if you're a decent player, your numbers will be better than that at the ECHL level. But who knows? Maybe just coming to the AHL will uh, boost his confidence a bit, bring up the expectations some. Um, but that's kind of how things go right now. Uh, it's fascinating. I can't wait. It's like, I want to talk about moves, but it's kind of like, well, (laughs) we're kind of in a sit and wait mode here as we head towards the draft. That's what's good about the season coming to an end though with the, uh, with uh, the the Washington Capitals and all that. I'm glad it's over in terms of let's get on with things. Uh, Jacob Golden is one that encourages, encourages me a little bit, intrigues me a little bit as he was, he had no points the year before with the London Knights of the OHL. He started increasing his numbers a bit as the season progressed. He had almost nothing for the longest time. And he's also a left shot, only 19 years of age um, with OHL London Knights last year. So we'll see what happens with Jacob Golden, another possible left shot defenseman that could help fill fill things later on, hopefully, hopefully down the stretch. But maybe it's just a hockey trade where a Brodeen for another left shot defenseman. We'll just have to let that develop at this point in time. Um, we'll talk about that more in the offseason and the as, as we get to free agency around July. So right now, mostly just introducing Paul Fenton and <laughs> the possible exciting movements that could take place here coming up. The obvious possibilities. There's even a small possibility, Dubnik for Pekka Rene, something like that. That would be kind of crazy. It'd be kind of weird, but you never know. Uh, Dubnik, to me, you know, it wouldn't, I, I wouldn't freak out if he was traded because as good as Dubnik can be, I don't think you can win a Stanley Cup with Devin Dubnik because I don't think he's consistent enough. I mean, to win a Stanley Cup, I mean, seriously, you're allowed to have a crappy game or two here and there. Like, Holtby wasn't perfect. Heck, he didn't even start the playoffs as their goalie. He was so disappointing. Um, And possibly the backup goalie with Washington could be in the wilds, uh, at least according to Russo, could be in in Paul Fenton's plans. Um, We'll see what happens there. It was a Browner. Um, but Dubnik, to me, again, consistency. He has good moments, but then it's just, here come the playoffs. He'll have a couple of good games, and he was good for the Wild for the series, So except for the final game, what, whatever. At that point, the Wild were finished, kind of like the Cleveland Cavaliers last night. Oh, God help me. Check out Timberwolves Explosion. I'll be recording State of the Timberwolves pretty soon as well. Um, probably about the same time these shows will be popping out, hopefully. Oh, God. Oh. I hate the Warriors, but it is what it is. I mean, <laughs> what do you do? Um, the Wild look like Cleveland against Golden State in that fifth in that fifth game. But Dubnik, to me, is not consistent enough to win a Stanley Cup with the Wild. Maybe I'm wrong, and you can disagree with me all you want. It doesn't mean I'm not a Wild fan. I'm just, 
it means I want to win really bad. And I'm kind of, I'm just creating conversation here. You're welcome to talk to me. Facebook.com forward slash uh, Brave the Wild or at Brave the Wild. And of course, there's Facebook.com forward slash MNW players as well. I'll probably close off everything with that as we talk about the postseason in segment number three. But um, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be moves, but I don't think it's going to be insane. Like, we're going to have a different goalie. We're going to have, like, three different forwards, three different defensemen. It's not going to be that crazy, but there will be a significant move. What it is, oh, boy. It's just, you know, you want to speculate. You want to talk about it, but at the same time, it's really hard to say. Uh, Ferreira also, though, added. Ferreira, former Minnesota North Stars uh, general manager. Isn't that crazy? Back in the day, uh, in the late 80s, Ferreira brought in to help things out here uh, with uh, Paul Fenton. He's one of his uh, senior advisors, and that's basically what he is. At this point, will he be the assistant general manager? Possibly, but he is the senior advisor at the moment. Uh, Brent Flair, still the uh, assistant general manager with the Wild. Love the guy. Uh, I think he's very good. Uh, unfortunately, his chances of returning are very slim because all every general manager has his guys. Like, I would have my guy as a guy I would always want to bring with me. There's always stuff like that. So, uh, Ferreira, very possibly the next uh, assistant general manager for the Wild at least in the in the early goings here. Um, but unfortunately, boy, I, I feel bad for the scouts that have to do all the draft and then, okay, by the way, now you're done. You know, that's sad, isn't it? But that's business, isn't it? Right now, when it comes to the NHL draft, the Minnesota Wild will pick 24th overall. And a lot of mock drafts have the Wild picking Akil Thomas out of Niagara for the, uh, well, Niagara OHL at this point. Uh, bigger guy. Well, not big. He's not big, but he plays big, whatever that means. He's 5'11 and a quarter of an inch. He was born on January 2nd, 2000. So literally born in the 2000s. So congratulations there, right? So now we're finally getting into the 2000s for NHL prospects. That is insane. Makes me feel ancient because I remember 2000 so well I was already an adult. Something that's extremely important though about Mr. Akil Thomas, he is a right shot center. Right shot. And any type of center right now that can play Oh, oh, yeah. So I would not be disappointed if the Wild <laughs> end up taking this guy. Hopefully he, he works out. I mean, I don't know. I mean, do, do I know a whole lot about Akil Thomas? No. So I'm not going to tell you I do. I'm not an NHL expert. But the fact that he shoots right, that's helpful for one. And, well, uh, what they say about him on draftstate.com, it doesn't sound too bad. Uh, he likes to work in the corners and all that. He's very He's extremely fast. And the Wild needs speed because the Wild slowed down big time. Uh, he's also able to get through traffic, this and that. So that's where things are encouraging. His low center of gravity makes him, well, really good in traffic. He They, they can't knock him off the puck. So that's good. Very good hands. Yeah, so watch him go like 10th overall instead of slipping to 24th. But, well, we'll see. Um, if he's anything like they're saying, he sounds like he'd be a hell of an addition to the Wild. Uh his defensive game is all right. Basically, it's like decent. It's not great, so that might be why he'd slip a bit rather than be a top prospect. Uh, but mock draft after mock draft has this guy coming to the wild, so that's interesting. Um, we'll see what happens. He's on the Niagara Ice Dogs at the moment, and I would love to have him. Uh, he's originally from Canada, so they don't actually say what city, unfortunately. But uh, would be nice to have a, a player like this. Obviously, I mean... Center is a position that is beyond of need. Of course, goaltenders like common sense, this and that. You have a starting goalie, you have a nice backup, and you have a possible goalie of the future in Kapo Kukkonen coming to the AHL now, which is extremely exciting. So, 
after that, center. I mean, what do you have at center? Eric Stahl is in his mid-30s almost. He's well, he's in his early 30s pushing his mid. Koivu is in his mid-30s. And Koivu's not that good anymore. After that, I mean, well, you have Yul Eriksson Ek, who has shown no scoring yet, but incredible defense. Like, he's about as good a defensive center as you're going to get. Um, after that, well, okay, woohoo, J Justin Kloos. He's not bad, but he's fourth line. So, or Matt Cullen, who's going to be 42. So, okay, uh, let's get some centers. And, yeah, I would... I would not be disappointed if this is the guy as long as, well, as long as, as long as he pans out, and that's what the Wild need in the biggest way. If he's big, if he's small, the speed is what's really encouraging, and maybe, there you go, there's your Koppersov type player to add to the mix. Uh, hopefully another Koppersov type, which would be a nice addition. You're not necessarily hearing a whole lot of scoring, though, which could be like uh, Yul Eriksson Ek again. Uh, speed, though, I'm sure he's faster than Yul Eriksson Ek. Um, but... He's uh yeah he sounds more like a like a Granlin actually he's able to thread the needle make really incredible passes through seams and through traffic tireless uh, tireless four checker so that's good to know um, so we'll see what happens with things here needs to get stronger though only 177 pounds remember Brodeen was real thin and that's still why he's not a real physical guy he's a bit on the light side so this guy also only 177 so needs to add some bulk and some weight during the course of the next couple of years here. As he develops in the OHL, it all stimulate to the AHL and beyond, hopefully, in Akil Thomas. But odds are you almost never wind up with the guy that that's a mock draft in the NHL unless you're in the top five. That's about it. It's always completely different. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully it works out. And if he's the guy that he does work out for the Minnesota Wild. But at least we have a first round pick this year. <laughs> Thank God in heaven. Uh, we don't have a second-round pick, but we get the first pick in the third round. So, good. I believe that's from the Vegas Golden Knights with the whole Alex Truck trade. So, we'll let that thing play out as it does. Paul Fenton, I'm excited, I'm encouraged, and, well, yeah, we're looking forward to it. And that'll probably be the next show as some of the moves start to happen with that. So, we'll take a break here. We're going to talk about the postseason and wrap up State of the Wild 2018. <laughs> here on Brave the Wild, segment number three. Just going to look at the postseason a little briefly here to wrap things up for the season. And then, of course, we jump into the draft and free agency next episode. That'll be fun. Most likely a draft review. And, of course, talking about free agency preview and maybe stuff will already have happened. Who knows? But, yeah, it's nice to be back on air, though. It's just nice to get a show back, of course. And, yeah, it's kind of an important one here. State of the Wild 2018. It's always a pleasure. Always so much fun. Yes, the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup, but how did they get there? How did the Vegas Golden Knights get there? All that good stuff. Pretty impressive start for both Vegas and San Jose. Remember we talked about that. They both swept their opponents. Nashville barely survives Colorado. Nashville could not get past uh, Winnipeg. The Winnipeg Jets looked just about unbeatable despite the fact it kept it, it, the, the Nashville Predators kept coming back, but they kept having to come back. They never would take the lead. Winnipeg ending <laughs> ended up ousting them in seven games, as you may remember. Vegas Golden Knights, well, 
things looked unbelievable. I started calling them the Philadelphia Eagles of the NHL, the team that everyone was kind of like, yeah, you know, they're good, but they'll probably lose, you know, in the first round of the Kings, which I thought was going to happen. They sweep them, which was insane. Then they get past the Sharks fairly easily, much to the chagrin of some of my friends there. Of course, Chris uh, and, and Drew Bunting and, and some others out there. If Drew Bunting happens to be listening, Chris maybe is, maybe not, of Teal Town, of course. Teal Town, USA. That's a San Jose Sharks podcast. The Sharks looked a lot better this year than last year. That's for damn sure. But they ran into a Vegas Golden Knights team that just, they played with each other. Uh, and boy, that didn't sound right. But they played together is what I'm trying to say. They really played together. And they, you know, they, they're, they're just, everybody's backing each other up. And that's basically what finally was going on in Washington. Obviously, incredible talent there. They finally got past the Pittsburgh Penguins. And you know what? I was rooting for them. But then it's like, wait a minute, though. Watch them win the whole thing now because... Look how good they've been all this time. And then they finally did. Uh, Washington ended up kind of hanging on. They ended up going down three games to two after a great start against Tampa Bay. They start 2 nothing. Tampa Bay wins three in a row. And that's what happened years ago when the Tampa Bay Lightning went on to win the Stanley Cup. Many, many, many years ago. Back in 04, if I remember correctly. Yeah, way back in 04. Uh, and then there was a recent one as well where Tampa Bay came back and beat them. They went to the final and lost to the Chicago Blackhawks, much to my chagrin, back in 2015, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, but Pittsburgh basically has owned the Washington Capitals most of the time, of course. Uh, Washington looked like they were going to lose the opening series to the to the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mean, the Blue Jackets were up two games to zero. So quite an amazing feat for Washington, able to survive all the all the... All the slings and arrows that were coming their way during the course of the postseason. Quite an amazing run indeed. Something's all screwed up here, but I'll just continue. I don't know why they... Huh. Well, <laughs> it was Washington over Columbus. It's not even showing it, but I do remember it very well. Boston, of course, beating Toronto in seven. Tampa Bay went right past Boston like they weren't even there, hardly. A lot of people are like, yep, that's Tampa Bay. Now they're going to end up winning the Cup or maybe Vegas and Tampa. I would have loved that for finals. The NHL would probably want Washington and, and Vegas if Washington did survive Pittsburgh ultimately at the end of the day. Washington did end up finishing the job after going down three games to two, taking a 2 nothing lead, losing the next three. Every Washington fan was like, oh, oh, here we go again. Ronald Reagan style, there you go again. And, well, <laughs> in terms of that, there you go again. And Tampa Bay ended up not getting the job done. Washington ended up kicking their butts 4 nothing in game number seven. And it's like, okay, well, you got the two most exciting markets available at this point. A lot of people were like, oh God, just imagine that'd be a troll job, Winnipeg versus Tampa, but not necessarily. Um, obviously, Winnipeg, an extremely strong team. They looked like they had it. They were pounding the Vegas Golden Knights early on in the first game, and then they ended up winning zero games the rest of the way, which is quite impressive. And it's like, you know what? Las Vegas is going to win the Stanley Cup. They have home ice advantage and all that. Washington always chokes, even though they this time, it doesn't look like they're going to, but they always choke just because. And if Vegas can get past Winnipeg, everything's going to be just fine. Uh, it was a back-and-forth game in that Stanley Cup final, the first game. Back and forth. So amazing to watch. So much fun. And most of the series was so much fun at the end of the day. But the Vegas Golden Knights continued to just retake the lead. They went down actually for a point, 3-2. to two, Ended up coming back, taking the lead. And... They just would not relinquish it, and they end up winning the game, and it's like, yep, see, told you Vegas is going to win the Stanley Cup. They get six goals against Braden Holtby. Wow. Outstanding. Though, of course, Washington got four goals against Fleury, which hadn't been happening earlier. There were a lot of two-to-one type of games against Winnipeg and such, and the Sharks and such. Uh, 
and the Kings. You could go on forever. Very low-scoring games against a team that just plays strong, solid team defense. There's no elite stud defensive player, but you do have Carlson, who's a 43-goal scorer, and Eric Halla, Alex Tuck continuing to emerge, looking like a future good player. I can't say star. Some people might use that word. He has skills, but is he a star? I don't know. I don't know, but we'll see. He's obviously super-duper young, and he's doing more than Luke Cunning, and that's, again, I know, too soon, too soon with the injury. It's not about the injury. It's before the injury. Alex Tuck so far has been doing more than Luke Cunning, but then again, earlier in the season, Alex Tuck hadn't been showing so much, and I remember last year he looked so soft, but the hope is that, again, similar situation could happen here with Jordan Greenway, where he looked kind of soft early on, and then when he started to get in the action a bit more, you saw a little bit more toughness, but you saw the skill come out. Most importantly, you saw more skill come out with Jordan Greenway, and that's the hope there. So hopefully the Wild end up coming out okay. Sure, you lose Alex Tuck, but at least you still have Greenway, this and that, and others. Greenway wasn't going to be available, luckily, for Vegas anyway, but still, unless you trade him. And, well, that's what the Wild did with Alex Tuck and blah, blah, blah. Eric Halla, amazing season. But then things just completely went Washington's way the rest of the series. It was kind of like after the North Stars took a two games to one lead. Those of you old enough to remember the 1991 Stanley Cup Finals, when we like to call it the Finals rather than the Final. Um, in fact, I still like Finals more, but that's just me. Um, maybe more than just me. Uh, but they took the 2-1 lead, and then as <sighs> Stuart Gavin once said, it didn't just slip away. The bottom went out of the rink. I mean, he couldn't believe it. Um, or was that... <laughs> or was it Basil McRae? It was one of those two Bash brothers there. Um, I believe it was Stuart Gavin that said that. I still remember that old, old video. Uh, still love that video, Shooting Stars. Um, but the bottom went out of the rink for uh, Vegas. And it wasn't necessarily like they played poorly. It's just Washington was just that good. And Ovechkin was just that determined. And any type of team play that wasn't there earlier in Ovechkin's career was completely different. Uh, he just, you know, Michael Jordan years ago just kind of played a one-team game and the Detroit Pistons beat the hell out of him. He was a little too thin at the time and he did not play a team game. He just kind of figured, okay, I got to do this myself, this and that, and the Pistons beat the shit out of him. Pardon my French. I didn't even mean to say that here, but I guess I'll let that one go. Um, then Michael Jordan bulked up and all of a sudden, mysteriously, he started playing a team game coming out in the 91 playoffs and things changed, and, well, the Bulls did what they probably should have done a couple years earlier, maybe, and they started winning championships because Jordan was the best player. Ovechkin has been the best goal scorer in the NHL since, uh, probably since he started as a rookie. <laughs> I mean, I kept calling him the, the, the Mario Lemieux of hockey right now. I mean, I kept thinking he was the Mario Lemieux. Uh, Sidney Crosby was the Gretzky, even though a very different kind of player. Obviously, still dominant and a 100-point type of guy, where 100 points... A few years ago was unheard of in the NHL. Obviously, back in the 80s, it was like, well, yeah, damn. I mean, Gretzky is pushing 200 sometimes. Lemieux is pushing 200 sometimes because it was a little higher scoring game. Late 90s, early 2000s, things got pretty grinded out. Things were, it's like goalie padding was bigger, this and that. And it was tough, uh, tough to score in the NHL. And it was, there was a lot of Jacques Lemaire, uh, you know, type of defenses all over the league. Teams were copycatting the uh, neutral zone trap, all that. And scoring went down. And then you bring in Alex Ovechkin in the 2004 draft, first overall. And he looks like Mario Lemieux, <laughs> yet more spectacular in terms of how crazy some of the goals he was scoring. Lemieux is a better player. He was a phenomenal, legendary goal-scoring 
just a phenom that you wouldn't believe. Obviously, he was number one overall in the 1984 draft, so about 20-year difference there, yeah. Um, but Ovechkin, again, just looked like the superstar, but then it's like, okay, Washington's record started to get good. You had the Bruce Boudreaux era, the Barry Trotz era. Barry Trotz might not even return to the Washington Capitals, which is really weird. You get all his assistant coaches getting re-upped and not him. Strange. And um, I don't know where to go with that. Maybe Barry Trotz winds up with the uh, New York Islanders, which would be Michael Russo's favorite team. Michael Russo of The Athletic. I hope I said that earlier. He is of The Athletic, and he wants you to subscribe to The Athletic. And, well, it is cheap, so might as well do that. I mean, I need to get my butt on that, like, today. <laughs> I'm not adding, I'm not doing an advertisement for them. It's just I, I like it. Uh, Michael Russo. <laughs> oh, poor Chad. I love Chad on Minnesota Wild Hardcore. What a great guy. I, I just love Chad Walski. Um, bringing information and all that. Um, oh, and then Russo found out. That sucked. So I shouldn't even be saying this, but oh, that sucked. But it's public. Ru I mean, Chad made it public to us on Minnesota Wild Hardcore. Oh, Russo got mad. <laughs> oh, Chad, I love you. Chad Walski, great guy. I think he's a listener to this show. Um, obviously, massive Wild fan and all that. Man, that was you just helping us, giving us a, a chance to, to read some awesome articles for Michael Russo. And Russo's like, hey, man, if you want me to stay employed. But, okay, look at me going all over the place here. The whole point is that Ovechkin started playing a more team game, like Michael Jordan did later in his career, and things changed. Maybe Washington wins a couple Stanley Cups, just like the Pittsburgh Penguins won a couple Stanley Cups when they just started finally breaking through again. Guys were staying healthy, like Crosby kept getting hurt, this and that. And they found a good team put together, and they won a couple cups in a row. Maybe Colin goes back for one more year. I kind of doubt it, but maybe. Um, but uh, Alex Ovechkin really played an amazing playoffs. Looked more and more like a team guy than he ever was. And you're seeing so much passion out of the guy. And it felt good seeing him hold the cup, even though I was completely, and I mean 100% in support of the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't care if they're the first team in the end, the first uh they're, 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 they're just in their first season, and gosh, they already usurped us, and they already have a better season than our best season and all that. Whatever. And yeah, they got Eric Hall and Alex Tuck. Whatever. That's fine. I still cheered for them. I still like the Vegas Golden Knights an awful lot. Um, it's cool to have Las Vegas in the NHL. I love their uniforms. Those of you that don't, I don't know why you don't like them, but I do. Uh, Washington Capitals, I like how they kind of went more retro. I hated the uniforms they had in the late 90s and early 2000s in the oh, Ole the Goalie era. Um, but awesome to see a team, a city that's had the Washington Nationals make the playoffs just about every year in baseball, and they can't even get out of the first round. They can't even get to the NLCS, National League Championship Series. Um, Washington Bullets never do jack, except for 1978. <laughs> they finally won it all. They got back and lost to the Seattle Supersonics in 79. You had the Washington Redskins, who have had success. So it's not like Washington never wins anything. But it's been a long time, and the Washington Capitals had never won anything, and the 44-year drought is over, which then puts the pressure on Minneapolis, Minnesota, and of course you could say St. Paul because of the Wild. Uh, other than the Minnesota Lynx, which I'm sure a lot of you like, but you do recognize it's not a major pro sport. It's not. It's, it's like it is, but it's not. You know what I mean? I'm sorry, but... <laughs> Yeah, the pressure's on us now. I mean, Cleveland even has a championship recently with the Cavaliers. Um, Houston, the Houston Astros are a team that ended a massive drought last year for baseball. The Chicago Cubs, yeah. So, but then again, the city of Minneapolis and St. Paul, the Twin Cities, are now pretty much in the pressure cooker in terms of like, well, where's your championship? I mean, even Seattle, you know, won the Super Bowl recently. They had the Sonics in 79. 
Phoenix, the Arizona Diamondbacks won in 2001. So, yeah, you could go on forever. Um, Oakland Athletics won in 89. So that's kind of further back than the 91 Twins. So at least that, but it's freaking California. They have a million championships, the 49ers and all that. Um, so, yeah, where am I going with this? I don't know. I'm just, I'm happy for the Washington Capitals. I'm happy for their fan base. I'm very happy for Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, TJ Oshie. Very, very emotional. His father has uh, Alzheimer's and he's struggling, you know, with memory problems. Obviously, that's what Alzheimer's is. Um, TJ Oshie, very emotional after the game. He has Minnesota ties. He's not from Washington. He's actually from, or he's not from Minnesota. He's from Washington State. So... But he has Minnesota ties, does T.J. Oshie. And, of course, he was famous for that spectacular goal, uh, uh, shootout goal in the Olympics a few years back, um, 2014, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, so Minnesota ties with Oshie, but, again, not major, uh, not from here necessarily. But uh, very emotional moment for him. Would love to see him suit up with the Minnesota Wild. He's been outstanding since going to Washington from St. Louis. I thought in St. Louis, I thought he was overrated. He goes to Washington, and he looks awfully damn good. Uh, an excellent team, John Carlson, which might be a possible Minnesota Wild uh, free agent signing, possibly, or a trade partner, so to speak, in a hockey trade, if the Wild end up moving Matt Dumba, which would be interesting. That, of course, being Paul Fenton doing that. Um, we'll just have to wait and see how things go with that. But, uh, again, very happy for Washington. Disappointed Vegas didn't win. But it just kind of is what it is. I feel terrible for the Vegas Golden Knights because you never know if they're going to get back. You just never know. Certain players on the team, I think they will. They might even get Carlson from uh, the other Carlson, from uh, the, the better one, William, <laughs> William Carlson out of uh, Ottawa. There's rumors about him possibly going there, and that would be unbelievable. Um, that would be unbelievable if Carlson got there from uh, Ottawa. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. About the best defenseman there is in the NHL. Um, man, <laughs> if that happens, well, there it is. And maybe Vegas goes back. But ho hockey's crazy. And that's why I talked about Devin Dubnik maybe not being a Stanley Cup goalie because too many hot and cold stretches. I mean, a hot and cold game is one thing, but stretches, cold stretches is why you don't make it. And then when he is hot, magically the team isn't scoring, kind of like the Twins right now. Uh, with a great pitching staff, but no scoring. Just drives you nuts. So that's the hope of the Minnesota Wild. Hope to win the Stanley Cup in the next few years here while we're still strapped with these contracts, which could be seven more years, obviously, with Parisi or Suter, unless miraculously they waive a no-trade clause and wind up playing for the Washington Capitals or something. But uh, we'll just have to let that happen if it does. <sighs> with that said, uh, well, it's been awesome coming back. My first, my first show in Golden Valley again different place obviously than before than before three years ago when I left Golden Valley for Brooklyn Park hopefully the audio setup is okay because it's always going to be a little bit different it's a different setup different place different this different that hopefully things sound okay any complaints please let me know on the Facebook page of course or Twitter account at Brave the Wild at Brave the Wild facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild a shout out to uh, Pavel Burnett who met, who also posted on my page uh, with the uh season wrap-up. Uh, him and Merrick Skyba also have a website called mnwplayers.com. mnwplayers.com, I encourage you to go there. They cover everything from Eric Stahl down to the ECHL's Dylan Lobby or something like that, all the way. They cover everything regarding Minnesota Wild, the Kapokokkanen's of the world who are in Finland. You get the picture there when I'm talking about that. The whole system, 
the NHL players and the entire farm system, which I just love keeping up with. So naturally, we're going to make good friends in that sense. And they let me be an admin on their Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash MNW players. All this information will be in the show description, including my email address, paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com, which is where I'd like you to send a uh, audio submission. If you'd like to have your voice on this show, simply record your uh Treat it like a phone call. Use your cell phone or smart device, whatever it is. Treat it like a phone call. Free recording application on every single one of these devices. Just use that. Keep it from three to keep it from three to five minutes, something like that. Save it and send it to PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. Again, it will be in the show description for copy and paste purposes. And the other final route is the phone line 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for Brave the Wild. And do your statement, shout out, comment, question, and opine. And of course, you'll be on the air with me. That would be spectacular. With that said, want to thank you again for listening. Please tell your friends about this show. It's be greatly appreciated. Write a positive rating on iTunes if you could. Also, if you also can uh, jump in and write a positive rating on Stitcher, something like that would be greatly appreciated as well. It just only helps the show, encourages other people to listen, and I can only be so grateful for that, and thank you again so much in advance for that. I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the last show. I'm guessing I hadn't seen it yet, but I did get a positive rating on iTunes recently from Anthony Says. Anthony Says, S-E-Y-Z. Anthony, yeah, it's all the same there. Uh, And Thank you very much. Five-star rating. He said, just search for a wild podcast, and I was happy to run across Brave the Wild. Awesome job. Keep it up. And thank you so much, Anthony. I really appreciate that. So huge shout-out to Anthony there. Thanks again for that. And those of you out there, please do continue. (laughs) Please write a positive rating if you could. It only helps the show, makes it grow, and, of course, just encourages other people to check it out rather than just think, "Eh, nobody rates this show. No one seems to care about it. So, eh, you know. (laughs) <laughs> then they go in a different direction. I'd prefer you come to this show than, than somebody else's. Even though, you know, hey, it's all a matter of opinion, what you like, what you don't like. So with that, it's been a pleasure. It's great to be back behind the mic again. I hope I wasn't too rusty. I hope I'm not slurring my speech a little bit because <laughs> I get kind of hot in here and I'm just a little bit too excited to talk. So maybe I'm talking too fast and then I'm slurring my speech a little bit because I'm a little bit goofy and crazy. So apologize for that. I don't think I'm really doing that other than uh, I'm just, you know, very excited to be back behind the microphone again. And just, again, want to thank you for listening. And we'll be back very soon to talk about the free agents and the draft coming up in a couple weeks.